Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Pick and Roll podcast. Today we have a good one for you guys. Basically... You know, last week was, was you know, scouting and breakdowns, weekly breakdowns. This is what we do here. This is what we're going to do again. This is, I'll go ahead and give you guys an intro, let you know what games are breaking down, what players are breaking down, NBA draft content, all these guys are, you know, highly rated on these big boards and things of that nature. So, um, you know, I did intro last week and give you guys a taste of what games were going to be being played. More, only one game needed to make an adjustment. I'll go over that game first. So it was supposed to be Colorado versus Miami, uh, but Cody Williams did not play in the game. So I had to schedule another Colorado game because I really needed to see Cody Williams. So we have Colorado versus Florida State. Um, If you guys know who plays at Florida State, Baba Miller, who's a big time, you know, two years ago, he was supposed to be a top 10 draft back coming out of France going to play in Florida State, but he never, he didn't really live up to that hype. So this is the first time we watched Bob Miller. Um, and Colorado, we got Cody Williams, who's Jalen Williams' brother. He's a lot of drafts in the 14 to 20 range, depending on where you're looking. And sometimes he's in the lottery in the top 10. Uh, he's 6'8", and we got Tristan Da Silva, 6'9", who's a late first, early second for most people. Um, and we have a guy who's a top ESPN Top 100 guy, Asan Diop, um, that we'll go over really quickly as well. In the next game up, we have Virginia versus Syracuse, which is a really good game. Uh, Ryan Dunn is a very, very hot topic for Virginia. A lot of people have him in the lottery, 6'8", um, and then he, they got a point guard there named Reese Beekman who's 6'2", um, who's in the late first round for most people. And Syracuse has a guy named Judah Mintz, who's a 6'4", two guard, um, has really great stats. And uh, he played in that game as well. Then the next game we have, we have UConn versus UNC. Finally get to see break down and talk about Stefan Castle on this podcast, 6'6", six, six guy. Most people have him like a top five, top ten pick, so it's intriguing. Um, Donovan Klingen, who has been in the first round for a lot of mocks, mocks for a very long time, 7-2. Alex Caraban, who's in the talks for second round draft pick, 6-8. Solomon Ball, who's like in the talks for maybe like a summer league team type of guy, um, 6-2. And they do have two guys from the ESPN Top 100, Jaden Ross and Jalen Stewart. UNC has Elliot Cadeau, who's a late first, early second for a lot of people, six foot. Harrison Ingram, who's six foot eight, who a few years ago he played for Stanford and he was like a ball handling six eight wing and he had some draft type, but he reclassified and then he transferred to UNC. Um, and Zayden Hyde's another ESPN top 100 guy. Next man up is Cloet, and we watched Tijuan Saloon, which we talked about a few guys on this times on this podcast. He plays in France. He's a uh, 
any he's late lottery lottery or late first round is where he's staying at right now. And then we have Tennessee versus Purdue. Hey man, you know Tennessee has a few guys that were in ESPN Top 100 and Freddie Delone and Cameron Carr, JP Estrella's and some late second round talks. But the main guy of the show is Dalton Neck. Dalton Neck is flying up draft boards. I mean, flying up from not even talked about to first round. Um, six six. And then we have Zach Eby, who player of the year, seven foot four, you know, a very controversial topic when people talk about NBA draft. Most people have him in the second round draft. Great. All right. So now that we've introed everybody, it is time to get moving on these breakdowns. The first people we're going to go ahead and break down is uh, Colorado. So Colorado has some really good players on their team. And let's talk about the the big guy, the main guy people want to talk about, and that's Cody Williams. So, you know, Cody Williams has one heck of a stat line so far. So let's go over this real quick. Through seven games, he's averaging 14 a game, giving you two assists, three rebounds, off of 62% field goal percentage, which is unreal. 66% from the free throw line, which is odd. And then 60% from the three-point line, which is uh, absolutely mind-boggling number. I mean, that three-point percentage is insane. <laughs> um, you know, he's 6'8". Uh, when you watch him play, you, the first thing that you notice is his ball handling is very... It's not flashy, but it's extremely functional. I mean, that guy can do get anywhere he needs to get with his ball handling. There's no issue of, oh, when people pressure him, he's going to have issues getting around defenders and things of that nature. No, his ball handling is there. Um, he's a pretty good athlete. You know, he's got pretty good vertical gifts. He's got pretty good quickness and speed gifts. He's he's a smooth mover, which is kind of can distort how good of an athlete he is. But he's pretty solid, especially defensively. He moves really well defensively. That's one of his up uh, good things that he does on ball defense. He's very good. He is very very good. Year one in the NBA because I'm expecting he'll come out year one. He'll be a one and done guy. You're one in the NBA. He might get pushed around a little bit because he doesn't have a thinner frame. But I think as the year goes on, um, as the years goes on in the NBA, two year two, year three, he'll put on enough muscle to defend as elite as his potential can be. So I think that he can be a better defender in the future than he is right now. But he already has good on ball footwork and be able to move laterally and things of that nature is very good right now. Dude's an elite standstill three-point shooter. I mean, the 60% three-point percentage is insane. This this guy is not a guy that takes a ton of three-point shots. He takes he's, he has very good shot selection in the sense that he's only going to take good shots. He's only going to take them when he's wide open. He's only going to take them when it's a good look, right? But, man, does he have a good three-point shot. Yeah, one time in this game, he showed a flash of a floater going, driving to the rim. Um, other than that, there's just not much shot creation here. Um it's like no shot other than his ability to get to the rim and being a standstill three point shooter. There's no zero shot creation other than the one play where he did have a floater at the rim. That's it. I mean, this guy is a very non scoring base guy. And this is a guy that doesn't have a super high upside because there's just no skill to work with. There's no mid range shot creation. There's no three point shot creation. There's no, you know. Anything that's going to lead to a high-level score at the next level. Um, he definitely can get to the rim, though. Six foot, 
with his nice athletic gifts and being six foot eight and having a good handle, he can get to the rim. He's a very good layup packages package, and he has a very very good feel for drawing fouls at the rim. It's very impressive. Uh, he's an above average passer from the position, uh, but I do think the point forward take that people have on him i don't see that at all i don't see point forward level passer but i think above average guy small four positions very accurate me personally i view him as a slightly better passing and slightly better ball handling trey murphy the third um trey murphy the third was out of virginia a few years ago and he was drafted you know in just past the lottery. I think he was a 17th or 16th pick, but he was a 6'8", 3D guy to shoot the poo out of the three ball. Right. And he has a good, he's had a good career so far for the Pelicans. Um, and I view Cody Williams in the same range, 14th through 18th pick. He's a definitely has an extremely high floor as a guy that can be in the late three and D guy. That's so elite at the three point shooting and the defense and the length that he can start. He can start on, on teams as a three and D guy. Right, because he's just so lead at all those things, but the ceiling is not high for him at all. You know what I mean? So he's a high floor guy, but you know shoots the cover off the ball so far. So you shoot the three like the way he's shooting, then you know he's going to be consistently in a good draft pick talk. So that's my take on Cody Williams so far. He's a definitely a very intriguing prospect. So we're going to go ahead and kick it to the next guy on this Colorado team, which is Tristan Da Silva. Now he's uh, averaging 15.8 points per game, five rebounds, three assists, 54% field goal percentage, 86% free throw percentage, and 40% three-point three percentage. So this is a really great shooting split. He's 6-9 and you know he's a very good three-point shooter. He's a pretty decent rim attacker. Nothing overly amazing, but nothing like too poor. I'd say the above average on-ball defender. I don't really see anything greater than that. And just like Cody Williams, he has no shot creation other than being a 3-and-D guy that shoots a 3 and gets to the rim. Me personally, he reminds me a lot of Keegan Murray's brother who got drafted last year by the Portland Trailblazers in the late first round as a 6'9", 3D guy that's not so overwhelming as a 3D prospect where you think it can start one day, but the idea a few years down the line of him being a valuable bench player, 7th, 6th, 8th guy off the bench that can guard the power forward position and the small forward position, be switchable and give you length off the bench. Yes, Tristan Da Silva can definitely be that guy. And just like Kenneth Murray was, I have him graded as a 26 to 30, 30 draft pick. I definitely feel like he's a solid role player. Nothing else extra other than that at this moment in time. Alrighty, next man up from the Colorado game is Asan Diop. Um, he's a 6'8 forward. He really didn't show anything, you know, anything that looked like an NBA level prospect. So I really don't think that we need to spend much time on him. I wouldn't even say a summer league guy. There's just not much there right now. He needs more time. Alrighty. So we're going to go ahead and go to the next man up in this game for Florida state. Ba Ba Miller, a really hot topic. You know, shooters shooting splits are very interesting. So basically, he averages 7.8 points per game, 48% field goal percentage, 
37%. Three-point percentage, 33% from the free-throw line. That's just insane. Five rebounds. He's six. Some flashes and some pull-up mid-range shots, which is very odd. You know what I mean? He's six foot eleven. He moves extremely well. He has good athletic gifts. Um, the handle plus the athletic gifts leads to some intrigue. Um, me personally, I'd have him 56th or 60 grade on the NBA draft. I think he's a sophomore. Man, just stay until you're a senior. Develop as much as you can because he's 6'11", has a good handle, has some pull-up mid-range shots, right? Like, he has the skill set and the athletic gifts of a top three pick in the NBA draft. So if I'm, you know, giving advice to him, stay in college. Stay until you're a senior. Get these shooting splits up. Put on some muscle. Get more confidence in your game. And develop your skill set a little more because he's just raw. And senior year, let's see what we got, right? Because he could be a guy that whenever he puts it together, he can be a top three pick in the draft. Because 6'11", ball handling, strong shooting skill sets just don't come around every day. That's the, the upside is so visibly there. But again, it's just so raw right now that I would just say stay until your senior year, sophomore right now. And just develop your skill set as much as possible. That's what I would say. And, I, and even though I have him great as 50 or 60, or 60, I personally don't think he should go. Because he is just such a high upside guy. And he just needs to give, time, give it time. You know what I mean? Okay. We are going to go ahead and move it to the next game up. The next game up is basically Virginia versus Syracuse. This is we a big time game. Uh Virginia has Ryan Dunn, who is a six eight wing small forward. And people are just having him fly up draft boards. And when you watch him play it's very obvious why. The dude is an amazing defender. I mean just absolutely amazing. On ball, special, the way he moves, special. The strength that he has to his body really allows him to, you know, play through contact and be a physical defender as well. I mean, if I had to comp him to somebody, it's like Kawhi Leonard defensively. Like, he is just that special. I mean, just being honest here, he is just that special. Um, but last year he shot like 23% from the three point line right now. He's shooting 20% from the three point line. He has like a 54% field goal percentage and he's averaging eight points a game and he shoots 70% from the free throw line. But, you know, offensively, can he get to the rim and finish? Sure. But the three point shot is just so far and beyond and behind what it would need to be to be a draftable skill set. You know, last year, there was a guy that I was pretty high on, Ryan Rupert, who had a really poor three-point shot, but I comped him to Sean Marion defensively. Like, he was six seven, so fluid, so athletic, on ball, unreal, okay? And I had him, like, in the 20s. Because I was like, okay, well, the three-point shot isn't there yet, but defensively, wow, right? Well... He got drafted in like the 47th pick, and I'm thinking to myself, why? And I, you think to yourself again, like, okay, yeah, the guy, there's no guy that's an off-ball player that exists in the NBA, no matter how great you are defensively, that can't shoot threes. 
It just doesn't exist. The only accepted is Draymond Green, but he's a playmaking forward. He's a different guy, right? Off-ball, three-point shooting guys where all their role is is shooting threes. Doesn't matter how good you are in defense. And Ryan Dunn is phenomenal defensively. He's an all-NBA defensive talent. Oh, yes, right? But that three-point shot is not good enough to get him in the NBA. And it's so poor that NBA GMs might just say, he may never be able to develop three-point shot enough to get him on the floor. So why would I waste waste a draft pick on him, right? So right now, I have him graded 56 through 60. And kind of similar to Bob Miller, whenever this guy figures out that three-point shot, he'll be a lottery pick. It, it, he's so phenomenal defensively. Whenever it happens, you will be a lottery pick, right? It is so obvious. But right now, no. Because of the three-point shot, it's just so far away. Um, so, you know, that's my take on Ryan Dunn. I understand why people are having him so high because trust me, the eye test is amazing defensively. It's just unreal, but everything's just so far behind. And the NBA game is so much about three point shooting. If you just can't shoot threes, you're not on the floor. You don't assist. Even if you're Ryan Dunn level defender, who's just so, so special. So. Yeah, that's my take on Ryan Dunn. Interesting prospect, interesting topic. I understand why everybody's so high, but, you know, that three-point percentage is just so, so beyond. It's it's bad right now. It's really, really bad. Alrighty. So, next man up is Reese Beekman, who plays for Virginia. You know, he is definitely somebody that is, a, he's supposed to be a late second-round draft pick. I'll give you a shooting splits. So far, he's shooting. He's averaging twelve point five points per game, five rebound, three rebounds, five assists, two point seven steals, forty five percent field goal percentage, seventy eight percent three throw percentage, twenty five percent three point percentage. Now, he has, he's so quick. His quickness really allows him to get to the rim whenever he wants. He's six two. Um, he can really finish at the rim. He's a good passer. He doesn't really. He's a very He's he's a non-turnover passer. Like he doesn't make mistakes. Now, is he like a world-class passer and world-class basketball IQ guy? No, but he definitely, you know, is a low is a really really highly efficient guy with the turnovers. Um, so his three-point shot is really the question mark because last year he thought thirty-five percent for the three-point line, and so that leads to thinking that twenty-five percent is going to come around. And if it does come around, I'm going to be very high on him because he's also a very good on-ball defender. He's a very ideal backup point guard in the NBA because most backup point guards in the NBA are guys like you know, Cameron Artis Payne, Dennis Schroeders of the world. Those guys that can get to the rim, that are quick, have roles. And then there's guys like Gary Payton III, Javon Carter, Alex Caruso. Patrick Beverly, where they're 3D guys, where they're really great on ball defenders and they really understand those type of things. He can kind of blend everything, right? You know, if that three-point shot sticks, he reminds me a lot of Gabe Vincent, where he can be such a high-tier backup point guard in the NBA. Um, And I really like him. I just hope this 25%, 3% point percentage can come around to where it was last year, which was 35%. 
because if he's twenty five percent, I can't. I wouldn't even have him draft as draftable prospect. Right now, I have him twenty six to thirty, and but that's a grade based on last year's three point shooting percentage. Um, hopefully, it comes around. But you know, this guy's got a lot of things that make backup point guards elite, and he can do multiple things that you know. Just his ability to get to the rim would get most people drafted. Just his ability to on draft defend on ball if he could shoot threes could get him, him drafted. So he kind of has a blend. Of a few things. Okay. We're going to go ahead and kick it to the next guy on this list. All right. So next man up for this Virginia-Syracuse game is Judah Mintz. Um, he's a 6'4", two-guard from Syracuse. Uh, through this year, statistically speaking, he is a sophomore. He's shooting 45% field goal percentage, 43% three-point line, 78% free throw percentage, averaging 20 a game off of 3.5 assists. Um, he definitely must be the best, uh, most explosive guy that they have with the ball because they have him basically be point guard, even though he doesn't have point guard passing skill. I mean, he's honestly an average two-guard passer. Um, so that 3.5 assists a game that he has is inflated by the situation and the way that they need him to play. You know, he's six four and he's decently well built. And the best thing about him, he's, he can get to the rim and finish. Um, in this game, he showed nothing else. It was a really poor game, though. He had like five points. He obviously averages twenty. So it it was either when the shots are not falling, he's not as aggressive, other than driving to the rim, <clears throat> or you know his skill set is just driving to the rim. You know, right now that's all I can see from my eye test is six foot four, two guard that only drives to the rim. That doesn't really do anything else. And he's always going to be a little bit of a poor defender. He doesn't really look that good defensively. Um, Athletically, he's maybe above average, average ish. So, you know, six, four, you got to overcome a lot of things skill wise. And the skill just doesn't look there right now. Look like it look like it's there right now. So right now I have him great as an undrafted, but we will watch him again. You know, he plays in the ACC. He's had such a great stat line. This could have just been one poor game. So, you know, I'm we will watch him again, but right now I have him as an undrafted grade. But I, I think it's very fair for the I for the you know, the game that he played. You know what I mean? He had a poor game and he just didn't really show anything other than getting to that room. All right, so next game up is UConn versus UNC. So we got, uh, you know, the man, 6'6". I mean, when you talk about Stefan Castle, he, let's just put his stats in perspective so far. He's only played five games, and he's had an ankle injury, so take these stats with a grain of salt. But he's averaging nine a game, three assists, four rebounds, um... 48% field goal percentage, 77% free throw percentage, 40% from the three-point line. You know what I mean? So he looks like such a smooth athlete. That guy just has he's so smooth and you know, above average to good athlete. He's a very good defender, and he's extremely smart on help defense and getting the passing lanes and using his point guard uh, intelligence on the defensive end. He definitely makes an impact defensively that goes uh, unnoticed for sure. He's a very good passer. I mean, the dude showed a lot of flashes and some really good passing. You know, he didn't get a ton of opportunities with the ball in his hand, so there's not a ton of tape yet that 
and more table meat needed to build. But one time he did have the pick and roll, he definitely showed his ability to get to the rim. And it looks so smooth, and he looks so smooth in that pick and roll, and extremely patient. Uh, you know what I mean? So again, I'm taking everything with a grain of salt right now, and kind of trying to imagine what he could be in the future. There wasn't much shot creation there, but again, it was his first game back from a knee injury that was supposed to hold him out for like two to four weeks. So you know what I mean? So right now I have him graded through 8 through 10. That's assuming assuming that I'm going to see more shot creation um, in the shooting splits, especially three-point percentage. You mean, we can't talk about him in the draft if he's 14% from three-point line. So um, all those things I'm guessing will improve in time as he gets back into 100%. Uh, so right now I have him graded 8 through 10. Uh, there's You could definitely see a lot of the things that people rave about him. 6'6", six, six, point guard passing intelligence defense the way he moves smoothly so patient the pick of roll jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it blue nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's a lot of really good things to like about him. So I'm really going to have a lot of fun watching him play in the future. Alrighty, the next big name on this list is their center, Donovan Klingon, who is seven two. You know what I mean. And when I think about Klingon, is let me give you guys his stat line real quick. So basically, his stat line is thirteen point nine points per game, six rebounds, three assists. Nope, one point two assists. My bad. Shoots sixty three percent field goal percentage. A 53% from the three-point free throw percentage and 0% from the three-point line. Yeah, he's not a three-point shooter. It's, it's okay. So, so seven foot two. First thing you notice about him is seven foot two guys are usually thinner, right? They're usually not as big as this guy. This guy's a big human being. He's really strong. He has really big legs. He's got a really big core. Like he has a big body. And that big body is going to allow him to put on all muscle and to be really elite strength-wise at the next level, at the center two position. He is an extremely elite rim defender. Um, he doesn't, he, and he does it in a unique way. He doesn't chase blocks, but he does a really great job of contesting at an extremely elite rate without fouling. You're not going to just go up to him, try to finish at the rim, and just expect two free throws. He is going to really put you in a tough position to try to draw fouls. He is extremely elite at contesting at an extremely tough ways without fouling. Um, it's impressive. It really is. Uh, 
You know what I mean? And he also, even though he's a drop cover center, he plays the ball handler in the pick and roll situations very well. He still contests those shots very well. It was impressive to see how much ground he can cover and how good of a natural feel he just has for, okay, I have a feeling this guy's going to pull from this mid-range shot now. Right, or this guy's gonna try to do something like a floater now. He just he has a good feel for it. He has a good feel for reading what the offensive player wants to do. And it, it's unique. He definitely intelligence wise, he's there. He's a pretty decent passer, nothing overly special. In the post, again, nothing overly special, nothing that's gonna he's gonna do in the NBA. He's gonna be a guy that's gonna be a screener and a screen and roll guy to the rim and finish at the rim. 7-2 length, you can't teach. He's a very good screen setter. I mean, this guy really does a really great job setting screens. And, you know what I mean? He's just such an elite dream defender, and it's really impressive. And nothing overly special athletically, um, but you know, somebody that he reminds me so much of, and so much to a, such, such an extreme point that makes me very competent on the comp, is Roy Hibbert. If you watch Roy Hibbert play at Georgetown and, uh, you know, Roy Hibbert play for Indiana. Roy Hibbert, if you guys don't know, he played in the 2010s on the Paul George Indiana Pacers teams. He was an all NBA level defender, seven foot two, really strong. And as a LeBron James fan, he gave LeBron James issues. I, th- I think, honestly, out of all the centers in the NBA that gave LeBron issues, it was probably Roy Hibbert because he was so, so tall and so strong. And seven foot two, just like Donovan Klingon is, they gave him issues because he's a power center, right? Like LeBron James is a power player, and there's a lot of freak athletes in the NBA, and having a powerful center that can defend at the rim against these elite guys is extremely rare, right? And you know, Roy Hibbert, if you watch him play at Georgetown, he's slow. Like he is not athletic at all. He's like an average, below average athlete, but he makes up up for it in defensive ways and defending the rim, being good in the pick and roll, right? And he's a drop coverage center. And that's why I feel like Klingon reminds me so much of him. He's the exact same height. He's a big man, big human being. He's got good size. He has just a really great feel for defending the rim without giving you easy free throws, right? But he's not. Roy Hibbert wasn't chasing the blocks. He was more interested on defending the rim extremely well than chasing the the blocks leader for that season, right? Like Roy Hibbert was a legitimately good defender, legitimately better than probably the blocks leaders were because they were chasing blocks. When people are chasing blocks, they're easy to get up in the air and then get to the free throw line because you know that they'll bite on those pump fakes because they want block stats. Klingon and Roy Hibbert are not those kind of guys. They're purists when it comes down to defending the rim. And I'm, I'm really impressed. This is, uh, you know, uh, Walker Kessler is somebody that's very similar. And Walker Kessler just had a great season for Utah. You know what I mean? And I definitely feel like, though, because he's a little taller and a little stronger than Kessler is. So I, I definitely feel like Roy Hibbert, I feel like 12th or 14 draft pick. He's obviously not going to be anything more than that kind of guy, a defensive specialist that can, you know, set screens at extremely elite rate and, you know, be a guy that can be a role man. But his defense is just so elite and, you know, no place offensively is more needed for you to score than at the rim. You know what I mean? So his ability to defend the rim will always be valuable. You know what I mean? Like, I love switchability as much as the next guy, but this guy is a specialist at an elite rate. Um, 
I have him grade 12 through 14, and I really feel confident about the Roy Hibbert comp. It is. I, I feel so confident about it because, man, Donovan Kling was special in his understanding of how to defend that ram. This is really advanced stuff. So, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about him. So there's a few other guys on UConn. Alex Cardaban, 6'8", three-point shooting guy. He is averaging 15 points per game off of uh, six rebounds, 1.5 assists, 54% field goal percentage, 82% free throw percentage, 35% three-point line. And that's what it is. He's a three-point shooting, six-foot-eight guy. Um, he doesn't really show much flashes of ability to get to the rim. Handle looks very below average at best below average on ball defender um me personally i have him as a borderline nba talent i have him undrafted at this moment in time i definitely could see him making a summer league team but and maybe having a good career overseas but i don't see him as an nba talent because i just you can't defend the wing and what we're talking about because he's not he's so poor okay all right so the next few guys to talk about is solomon ball you know Solomon Ball is billed as the guy to shoot the three, even though he's a poor three-point percentage so far this year. was 27%, uh, 72% free throw percentage, 36% from the field goal percentage. Uh, averages six points per game, 6-2. You know, I definitely don't have him as a draftable prospect. I don't really feel like he has anything other. He's like just a standstill three-point shooter, and that's it. But his three-point percentage sucks right now, so he's not a draftable prospect. Um and the other guys from that team are Jalen Ross and Jalen Stewart. ESPN Top 100 guys didn't play, so not really needed to be talked about. All right, next man up, next uh, team up is the UNC side of that game since they play against UConn. And the first guy up in that big board for that team is Ellie Cadeau, who's an extremely highly, highly rated guy coming out of the ESPN Top 100 list. Six foot. He's averaging 6.7 points per game, 4 assists, 45% field goal percentage, 68% free throw percentage, and 27% from the three-point line. Um, you know, he's such an elite passer. The dude makes really good passes in the pick and roll in normal uh, situations offensively. Dude's very elite that way. Average NBA athlete. Finishing at the rims, an issue, honestly, for him. Six foot, he's not a great athlete. He doesn't really look like he has the skill to overcome those weaknesses at the rim right now. Not much of a shot creator at all. I mean, between the weak three-point shooting, not much of a shot creator, not being able to get to the rim, can't really do anything offensively other than pass. And that's not an NBA talent. So right now, I have him graded as an undrafted guy. I don't really think that you know, we're going to need to watch a lot more of him. He does play in the ACC, so we might have to, but you know what I mean? It's not going to be anything great breakdown-wise, and I definitely disagree with the whole him being a draftable prospect thing. At all. Definitely. Alrighty. Ready to move to the next guy in that game for them. Harrison Ingram, six foot eight, really good frame, really strong. He's averaging 14.6 points per game, six rebounds, 2.6 assists, 47% field goal percentage, 61% free, free throw percentage. Wow. 
43% three-point percentage. Um, he's a pretty okay athlete. He's a decent passer. I wish since, again, like we talked about Stanford, he was like a pick-and-roll guy where he'd be the ball handler and making all these passes. You don't really see him at UNC making passes at the same level they did at Stanford. Hopefully we're going to see more with him, the ball in his hands, to see more flashes of those things. Um, he looks like a pretty okay standstill three-point shooter. You know what I mean? And he does, you know, shot create in the post. You know, 6A, really strong, but has issues maybe not on-ball defense, not overly great there. The idea of him being a 3D guy, it's going to take that 46% for 3.0% just to really stick. You know what I mean? I don't think it will throughout the season. So right now I have him great as an undrafted guy. Um, but definitely it could be intriguing. He could put things together here. But with the passing-wise, it could make things more interesting. But right now he's undrafted. And the next guy from the North Carolina team is going to be Zayden High. He didn't play in the game, so DNP, he's not a draftable prospect. And then we're going to go ahead and kick it to Tish One Saloon. And all right, so when we're talking about Tish One Saloon, he's definitely somebody six foot nine. This is the third time we've talked about him. Uh, his shooting splits so far are interesting because he's played. Eight games in the Championships League and the French 16 in the French League. So there's two different stat lines, but, you know, there's 16 games of one league in the French A. He's shooting 26% for the three-point line. Through eight games, he's shooting 46, which he's going to bounce him out somewhere in the 30s. Uh, his two-point percentage from 16 games in the French League is 38. His two-point percentage through eight games in the Champions League is 58. Again, it's going to bounce it out like the high to mid-40s. Free for percentage, 68% from the 16 games in the French League. And the Champions League, he's shooting 76% from the three for the line. So it's going to bounce out low 70s from the free throw percentage. You know, six nine. He's he had one heck of a game in this game. He was shooting the poo at the three ball. He had like twenty four points. And you know, this guy's uh, just to reiterate some of the things we've talked about before. He's one heck of a defender. He's very good on ball. He's very good in space. He's very good at his ability to attack the rim and put pressure at the rim off ball as like a team defender. He covers so much. Uh, ground because of his length and his size and him being a good athlete. Um, he's just unreal in those ways. He shows some flashes of shot creation. It's pretty rare, though. We we haven't seen much shot creation since the French U18 game where he shows like step-back threes and some mid-range shot creation and some floaters. Uh, but, you know, team defending, being a good three-point shooter guy that can get to the rim and, you know has some shot creation that you can buy into long term. He's he's definitely somebody that is so elite defensively, so elite six nine wise, so elite shooting. He looks really good shooting a three ball right now. And his ability to get to the rim is just so freaking elite. I mean, man, Saloon can get to the rim in very elite ways. And those flashes of shot creation that you did see at the France U18 games shows some potential what he could be in the future. Um, so I still have him grading through a 12th or 14 pick. I th- feel like he has a high floor with a unique ceiling because the high floor is a th- really extremely high level 3 and D guy that can get to that rim in the elite way. You know what I mean? And so elite that he can start even without that shot creation ever really comes along. But that shot creation three to four years, years from now could lead to 
some improvements. Um, you know what I mean? It's kind of similar to what Osman Dang was last year in the sense of the upside. But, you know, right now I have him grade 12 through 14 pick. He's a really interesting guy. Unique. And the last game is Tennessee versus Purdue. Um, so yeah, Tennessee has Freddie DeLone, JP Estrella, Cameron Carr, Dalton Hecht. Freddie DeLone and Cameron Carr with top ESPN top 100 guys that really are panning out right now. They're not really doing anything super special. Um, so they're not going to be really talked about. They're basically DNPs. JP Australia, I get it. He's six foot eleven and he shoots the three ball. It shows some flashes of being able to like pretty, be pretty smooth for the height. But I just don't think he's an NBA talent right now. I don't feel like he's a good rim defender. I don't really feel, see NBA talent from JP Australia, and there's nothing really unique that he has in his game at this moment in time. So I just make that really brief. I have an undrafted grade, really low on my draft board. And then the main guy, the main guy, people want to talk about Dalton Necht. So. You know, he's, I think he's a junior, 6'6", averaging 16.5 points per game, 1.66 assists, 46% three-point, 46% field goal percentage, 80% free, free throw percentage, and 38% from the three-point line. Um, when I talk about Dalton Neck, he's definitely somebody that can do all the off-ball stuff as a two-guard. I mean, coming off off-ball screens, being a mover, being and shooting, he uses that three-point shot. Um, extremely well as an off-ball mover. Kind of similar to the Duncan Robinsons of the world, the Max Struces of the world, those kind of guys. He could do those things. You know, he's, he's an above-average defender. You know, the unique thing is about him is he shows flashes of being able to get to the rim. Now, getting to the rim is interesting in the thought process of these kind of guys. So... You know, I've been scouting for this is gonna be my fourth draft, and I've seen a lot of guys like this. I can't think of his name at the top of my head, but there's a kid from Kansas that was national player of the year that got drafted to the Cavs and they got traded to the Utah Jazz. That was six six. Um and these guys coming out of college are, you know, good enough to do all the off ball stuff, which is really important in college. It really is useful. And then when somebody tries to close out on a Duncan Robinson, on a Max Strews on those guys, they need to have a good enough handle to get to the rim if people close out too hard to them, right? And it's extremely important for them to have that ability. And Dalton Neck does have that ability. But something that he does that nobody else can do, Grady did kind of do coming out of college. The kid from Michigan last year, uh, Jawan Howard's son, I can't think of his name either, um, got drafted by Orlando Magic, couldn't do this. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of names. And the kid from Kansas that came out a few years ago. Again, I can't think of their names at this moment in time. Uh, but those kind of guys cannot get to the rim when it's just a normal defense. Where there's the, the defense is set, they don't have the ball in their hands on the three point shot, uh, where the threat of the three point shot is there. Where they're, it's a set defense and they can just get to the rim against a set defense. Grady Dick couldn't do it. The kid from Michigan, the flasher that got drafted by Orlando Magic in the top 10, couldn't do it. The kid from Kansas that got drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers in like the lottery, like I think the 14th pick and got traded to the Utah Jazz, couldn't do it. This guy can. It's really interesting. He has a good feel for finishing at the rim, and it was really interesting seeing him doing that. Um, he seems like an above-average passer from the two-guard position as well. So, you know, he has all of those things, and it's really interesting. Me personally, I feel like he reminds me so much of Max Struess right now. I have him graded 14 through 18 draft pick, but I could definitely see him moving up the board. He 
He's just a different guy than what the normal off-ball three-point shooter is. Um, and, you know, there's a really big game between him and Illinois that we'll break down in a few upcoming podcasts because this guy is definitely worth breaking down more. 14 through 18 graph, draft grade is what I have for him right now. Um, but I'm, I'm really intrigued. So, yeah. All right. So the main guy that to break down from the other side of that team and the last game, last player to break down is Zach Eady. Zach Eadie's like the national player of the year. He has an insane stat line. People who love college will definitely know who this guy is. Uh, 24.5 points per game, 10 rebounds, 62% field goal percentage, 7 foot 4. This guy is a posting 7 foot 4 player. His footwork is okay, not over th- overwhelmingly good. Nothing too crazy, amazing post footwork wise there, but he just kind of plays with this height. It's seven foot four. You just can't teach it. He's a pretty good size for his abilities. Defensively is where he is weak. You know, he's a pretty decent shot blocker at the rim, but he is just so terrible guarding the ball handler and the pick and roll that the idea of him ever being an NBA center is tough. Like he obviously can't switch. He's just so slow. He can't switch and be that kind of mobile guy. But even the pick and roll when the ball handler is there and he's at drop coverage. He does a terrible job of contesting shots. He doesn't do it very well. He does a really, really bad job. So defensively, he has so much work to overcome. It's going to be hard to imagine him ever being able to defend like that because of lack of athleticness. So right now, I'm graded 50, 50 through 55 in, in the draft. If this was the 1980s, this guy would be a top three pick. But, you know, we live in a different era right now where the post play is just not as big. So, Zach Eady, that's my grade right now. And that's the end of you know the breakdowns. So I'll go ahead and give you guys an intro into next week. Let's see what we got here. All right. Yep. Okay, so tonight, Auburn is playing USC. So hopefully Isaiah Collier, Bronny James, who just come back recently, will play in this game. Um, if Br- Isaiah Collier and Bronny James play and Aiden Holloway play, we will scout USC versus Auburn. And another game that's going to be played on December 20th is Baylor versus Duke. If Jacoby Walter shows up, then we'll watch the game. Um, that's the only thing, because there's so many guys to watch. The Duke team, Jacoby Walter, Miro Little, not Miro, Jalen Bridges, Giovanni Messi, Tyrus Proctor. It's 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 a really deep group there. And then the next game up is Miami versus Kentucky. We got Justin Edwards, Dewan Wagner, Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham, Aaron Brad. Well, Aaron Bradshaw did not play. You know, Justin Edwards. And then we got Wuga Popular, who's really big on this NBA draft. A lot of people have him early second round. Norchad Ormir, which is... Some people have him late second right now. Matthew Cleveland, who people have sometimes in the second round. And then again, I did talk tell you guys that Tennessee versus Illinois, Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, Dalton Neck, that game already did get played. So I'm 100% certain that everybody played in that game. We will be breaking that game down again, breaking that game down. And so, yes, we will be breaking down Dalton Neck next week. Um, I'm really excited. They... They had a really good game. I already watched them play, and I'm telling you this right now. You definitely want to tune in to my Terrence Shannon breakdown because I'm going to blow your minds 
on the way that I am just wowed by him. So I'm just going to give you a little intro there. I've already watched this game, but I cannot wait to break this down for you. So yeah, that's all I have. Hopefully you guys have a good day. I really appreciate all the listening, all the reviews, everything like that. I definitely appreciate anybody that's listening to this podcast. Hopefully you guys have a great day. Then we'll keep on giving those consistent podcasts getting dropped on Thursday. I guarantee you it always will be on Thursday. So yeah, I'm really excited and uh, to continue doing this podcast, even though Chris is gone now. So thank you guys for listening and have a great rest of your week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.